It's 2016, it's November, and Katie and I are in Ecuador at a financial independence retreat. We're in the mountains, we're in a monastery, and it's the last day. And I have this idea that I want to give a gift to the speakers and the organisers to say thank you for organising the event and for the impact they had on my life. And I thought, well, it's a financial independence retreat. They don't like cards because why cut down a tree and give it to someone? They want something else. So I thought in true Alan style, I'm going to thank them via the medium of PowerPoint. Obviously, that is the way I'm going to do it. So I designed a PowerPoint slide with a space for a photo of each participant on the course and some questions. What was the biggest thing you got out of it? What do you enjoy? What's your message for the speakers? I filled mine in, took a photo with me. I did one for Katie and I did one for all 30 people at the event. Then I spent the rest of the day running around, chasing everyone, going, fill this out, fill this out, fill this out. And I got it all done by the evening. And then I presented it to the speakers as their present at the end. And the feedback was amazing. I felt good. Everyone felt good. The next day, one of the organisers of the event came to me and said, Alan, I've been blown away by your ability to get things done. I've been thinking about running one of these retreats in England. Would you like to do it for me? And I genuinely believe that the differentiator between someone who is successful in life and someone who isn't is their ability to make things happen at pace. Most people talk about ideas for years. There's not very many people who actually make it happen. Let's explore why. What would it take to become the hero of your own life? To build the business you've always dreamt of? To make money doing something you love? It's time to take control. Can we get on with making money and having fun now? I'm not doing it if it's not fun. Join the rebellion with Alan Donegan and welcome to Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. My name's Alan Donegan, one of the co-founders of the Pop-Up Business School. And today I have with me all the way from Colorado, the United States of America, Sean J. McHugh. Hello, Alan. <laughs> that is a properly <laughs> British welcome. Yes. Hello, yeah, Hello Alan. Try that. Try it again. I'll go. I'll do American. Welcome to the show, Sean J. McHugh. Oh, hey, Alan. Good morning. Great to see you. Great to be here. <laughs> Maybe we can go for somewhere in between those. Yeah, I'm only doing it if every one of these doesn't get cut, Andrew. Uh, yes. I've become the nemesis that you don't know yet. <laughs> Andrew is the editor of the show. Andrew, thank you for making us sound good. Sean, welcome to the show. And let's get straight into this about making things happen, because I truly believe that that is the differentiator between someone who's successful and someone who's not. It's the power to make it happen and make it happen consistently over time, which creates a compounding wave of actions that will carry you towards whatever goal it is that you set. What do you think about that, Sean? Have you noticed people who get things done? Have you not? What do you think? Yeah, I'd like to kind of touch on what the intro that you just spoke to of this episode here on your experience at the financial conference called Chautauqua. To me, when people think about getting stuff done or crossing off a checklist, it always feels like it's a kind of a negative connotation or I have to do this. Like, you know, I got to climb the hill. Well, I really should be doing number one and number five and number seven. And, and if I don't get that done by the end of the day, well, then I'm bad. 
and so forth. What I was hearing when you were telling that story was you were having a good time. Yeah, I had fun. I had great fun. Yeah. It was something I wanted to do. I wanted to give back. I did not do it to get to that outcome. I just did it because it was the right thing to do and it felt good. And I had fun running around all day. I loved it. Yeah. So the thing that I draw from that is where that came from was a place of enthusiasm, excitement, joy, not a checklist, you know, that I have to do or I should do or something along those lines. And by just taking a task that you really wanted to do, and you're very, a very good gift giver to begin with. And it was reflective of yourself. Like, Hey, I really appreciate these people. This experience has changed mine and my wife's life. And I just want to show appreciation in a fun way and, and doing something that you enjoy PowerPoint. Everybody loves PowerPoint, right? <laughs> but that is specific. I think the message there to me is you can do things in a way that is, is inherent and personal to yourself and enjoy doing it. I think there's a negative connotation that goes along with, uh, well, I have to do this and I got to get stuff done. Yeah, you do have to get stuff done, but the way you look at it and the path you choose can be the difference in whether you continue to do that or not. Like if you are doing something that you're forcing yourself every day, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this and these are the things that I need to do to be successful or whatever that may be. Willpower to me is kind of finite. You do have it, but if it's grind all day, every day, what is the point? You know, like I think as you were saying on part of the advertisements for the, the Red Bull entrepreneurs, I'm not doing it if it's not fun. And I think that's valid. You can make things fun, you know? And if you look at starting a business or a project or anything like that, and you look at it as, oh, tomorrow I got to do that. Well, I would ask you, are you doing the correct project that speaks to you? You know, or are you just trying to fulfill somebody else's idea of success? I think you can also make these things fun. So I remember in the early days, I had a real problem with cold calling. Couldn't do it. Scared me. Made me cry. Didn't like it. And I remember Tony Robbins asked the question, how could you get this done and have fun? And I was like, ooh, how can I get it done and have fun? I could do it in the garden. I could set up a gazebo. I could pour myself iced orange squash. I could sit out in the sunshine. Right, hold on a second. What's iced orange squash? Americans need to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Translation moment. It's yeah. like concentrated orange sugar that you add water to. It's like a cordial, I guess. Is that the American uh, term? Okay, yeah. I think iced orange sugar. So we have a it's processed very British. product called Tang. Well, that it's was like a powder, isn't it? You put a tang yes. of powder. This is like a whole bottle of juice. It's not actually juice. We call it juice, but it's kind of fake orange. You pour a little bit in the bottom of the glass and then top it up with water. Orange squash, got it. It's not good for your health. It was proved in the 80s that it rots your teeth, but I was Sounds addicted delicious. to it for some time. Sounds delicious. And I was like, this is what I need. So I set up what the do gazebo. You, <laughs> what do you have with it? Orange what? squash with a biscuit? <laughs> a biscuit is also a translation issue, which we had on one of the earlier episodes. I set up the gazebo. I got the iced pitcher. I went out into the garden. It's a sunny day and I start to make the calls. And I think it was either the first or the second uh, I said, how are you? The lady said, I'm fine. And she said, how are you? And like, I'm sat in the garden, it's sunny, I'm having fun, I'm making my calls. And she said, oh, that sounds lovely. I wish I was outside. How can I help you? And her mood changed because my mood changed. And I think there's actually 
a part of this that you can get things done in a bad mood with a bad energy and you'll get one result. And you can get things done with a lightness and a happiness and a positive energy and you'll actually get a different result from the same activity. And there's a fascinating piece here that the energy you apply to what you're doing will affect the outcome. Yeah, what I'm hearing there, dude, is something that obviously I keep coming back to is you changed your environment. And I mean, I, I discount it myself all the time. As you know, one of my favorite things to do is go hiking. I live about 20 minutes from the front range of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, in the United States. And it is such a great way for me to change point of view. And if I'm thinking about something and it looks like, hey, this is ah, this isn't working or something like that, by just moving my body and putting myself in a environment that makes me, for lack of a better word, feel really good. Mm-hmm. Like I feel uplifted when I can see trees and mountain peaks and rivers and water and things like that. And that I, it kind of associated me when you were just saying that, like, hey, I moved myself outside, the sun's shining. It's a nice day. Like that is an automatic shift in the way you're feeling. And that'll translate. Like, I think it sounds like that lady felt that. She absolutely felt that. It created the energy. I felt it. And I felt positive making the calls, which was one of the first times I really felt like I had the energy. There's several bits in here. The tip one is definitely the environment where you work can affect your mood after a while. You can make yourself do anything anywhere for a short period, but after a while it will definitely affect you and you can get a bump by changing it. I remember a particular day I was running an event for Henley Business School, which is right on the River Thames. They have a beautiful campus. It's an old historic English country house. They have grass right on the corner of the Thames. I got there about three hours early to avoid the traffic and I sat there in the room overlooking the Thames in this old country mansion with my laptop out. And I felt incredible. And I was emailing and I was firing things off and making things happen. And that boost, that change really helped me. And you're absolutely right. Environment can lift you up or it can drag you down. Listening to you describe that, like that's my thing. You know, when you're talking about, hey, there's the river and stuff like that. I was there with you immediately, like just in that kind of situation. For all of us, it doesn't have to be a river. Some of us get buzzed by being in a busy coffee shop. Some of us get buzzed by being on our own in a field. Some of us get buzzed by having a nice deck, a nice table in the house or sitting on the back deck or it doesn't really matter what it is. It's what lifts you. And I think environment can be one of those secret make stuff happen tools that gives you a 10, 20, 30% bump on your productivity and your energy for the day. So how did you decide? Was that just by chance? Like, hey, was it, it's a nice day outside and we go sit outside? Or was that a conscious decision of, I need to make a change here in some way to get myself in the right frame of mind before I'm making these calls? It's I'm in pain. I hate Mm. making these calls. I'm in pain. I can't do it. I know it's what I need to do. It's no what I should do, but I can't do it. And then the question that unlocked it was, how can you get this done and have fun? And my brain goes, ooh, fun. Outside? Yeah. How did it come to the outside? Was it just like, well, I'd rather sit out there? (laughs) 
I'd rather be outside. I imagined myself with the pitcher of drink, with the ice in it, cool, relaxed, sitting under the gazebo with the mm. wireless phone, making phone calls. And just I imagined myself having fun doing it. And then I went about creating what I imagined. And that was pretty simple to create. It wasn't, well, I need to change everything. It was just quite simply moving yourself outside. You had a gazebo in the garage, set it up, pour a drink, make myself feel good. Yeah, it was just do it. I think that's an important part there. Like it was not a huge, well, I got to change everything. I got to go outside and I have to build, you know, an outside office where it has three decks. There's got to be a printer on the first floor and on the third floor. And then I need a satellite feed here and I need an ergonomic chair. So my back's right. Then I need a standing desk. So when I'm, you know, like I think you can stick a lot of like busy work in between things to make yourself feel like you're doing something, but it doesn't really push you forward to your, your actual goals. So or what did Alan have to do? He had to set up a good frame of mind and make a call. Yes. The stuff you're describing is excuses. People put these excuses of, I need X, Y, and Z before I'll do anything. And that is avoiding doing what you know you should do. And there is a big difference between setting up to have fun to get down to it and making excuses and spending a month building a cabin in the back of the house to be able to do any work whilst avoiding it. There is a massive difference in that. You are absolutely right. Have you ever put something off, Sean? Absolutely. Um, I was just describing a bunch of things that I've done before. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't specifically built the office, but I've definitely rearranged, you know, well, the printer was on the floor. Printer can't be on the floor. I got to have it up on the desk. That's, you know, much easier so I can just grab. And, And it was a way to try to trick myself into saying, yes, I'm getting things done where I actually wasn't. You know, I was just scared to pick up that phone or scared to make that next move. But I wanted to kind of trick myself and say, well, I'm, I'm doing things. Looking back on it, I would say it's two types of, of actions in that. What you were doing, you know, by moving yourself outside and making a call out there, you were actually taking an action that was pushing you forward to a possible sale. The actions that I was doing, setting up my office and making the light just right and having the right painting on the wall, that did not lead to anything but me saying, hey, I'm doing something for the fact of doing something. It took me a long time to differentiate those two and stop, for lack of better words, tricking myself. Like I think I knew subconsciously that what I was doing was a bunch of crap, but I had to do something so I could say, well, I I did work today. I did that for years too. My version of that was writing a business plan, working on the website, working on my copy. There was all sorts of distraction techniques that I could feel like I made progress, but I didn't do what I really needed to do. I've done exactly the same for years, Sean. Yeah. And I think it's natural. And I, I would guess, you know, those of you listening to this, you can see that at some place in your life. And that's all right. It's just being aware of it, saying like, hey, yes. Yeah, I was doing these things, but was it really something that moved me forward to what I wanted in the business? And since we're speaking about pop-up here, we're a sales-based business, not a office setting up business that you don't get paid for. So once you differentiate that, you know, like what you like to say, Alan, what is the next action here that will lead me to the actual endpoint of what I'm trying to do? And if in that situation, the example you gave, well, it's to get a lead on a possible sale. So the direct action is, well, I have to talk to somebody that 
could make that sale. So how do you set that process up of, well, the next action is specifically this, not a random action, not a, well, I'm going to, you know, go to the store and pick up envelopes today and I'll get stamps because I have things that I have to mail out. And that's, that's a checklist thing where, yeah, you're doing something, but does, is it really the best action? So for me, the breaking it down and making simple, we're going to talk about next action. This actually, I learned a lot of this from Dave Allen. Getting things done is an incredible, I actually listened to the course, the audio course. It was fantastic, but it's breaking down the things. And this, every listener is going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this, Alan, but I'll tell you what, 95% of you aren't doing it. I guarantee that because I see it all the time in my courses. I labor this point home and say, what are you doing? You've got to break it down. Then I go to them and go, so what's your next step? And they go, oh, I need to work on the website. Why do you think that is? I think there's a myriad of different reasons. One is fear of failure. And if I actually do what I have to do, I might get rejected and my business might not work. Two is a task always feels harder until you begin it. And there's a perceived this is going to be difficult. Then you start it and you're like, that wasn't too bad. And then you nail through it. And I think it's the perception of the pain of a task is always 10 times greater than the actual thing you do. And I think that's a big one that plays massively into there as well. I agree completely with that, man. When I'm teaching pop-up business school courses, something I'll ask, I'll speak to the class and I'll say, we've heard the term, just do it, right? Where does that come from? Nike. Where do we know just or yeah. Nike, depending on if you're yes. American. Look at him. He's getting good with those translations. Next I'll be saying um, Adidas and Puma. <laughs> That's how you say them in England. <laughs> of course. We say them Adidas and Puma in America too. Same exactly. <laughs> Adidas Puma. <laughs> so we're all that's I mean, I I believe it is the number one recognized logo. I think maybe Coca-Cola is, but it's up there in the top five or so, right? And that saying is intrinsically attached to Nike or Nike. And to me, the idea of that sounds great. Just do it. But it's very opaque and very broad. But what you just said, I think is more specific to it is just get started. Not just do it. Just do it is what? What do you mean? Like do what? And I think that pain barrier up front of, oh, this is going to hurt so bad. If you can just take a little step of just get started, and I want to get a little more specific here. So what I would ask you is, what actually is getting a start? Is it, well, I'm going to read a book, or is it I'm going to make a list, or is it more specifically an action outside of yourself? Katie actually did this to me the other day. It was about two weeks ago, and I, I was just having a moment where I was struggling with motivation to get on with this podcast. And she just looked at me and she said, could you do 15 minutes of it? And I kind of hang my head because I know she's using my own trick on me. And I go, yes, I can do 15 minutes. <laughs> I sigh, uh, whip out the laptop. I start two hours later. I'm loving it. And I've done so much. I've fired off emails. I've worked on the podcast episodes. I've done intros. I've done so much and I've really enjoyed it. I can commit to doing 15 minutes if I have permission to quit afterwards. And what I found is by taking the pressure off of having to do the whole thing at once, I'm only committing to 15 minutes, therefore I'll start. And if I'm really not into it, I'll stop after 15 minutes and do something else. 
But what happens 90% of the time is I just get into it and I fly through it. So this is a tool I teach on the courses and Katie uses on me as well, is the 15-minute tool. Can you commit to doing 15 minutes of whatever it is, making sales calls, working on the homepage of the website, writing out the information about the first product, whatever it is, it's that next action, commit to doing 15 minutes to push it forwards. And I think just on the next action, there is a key distinction between what most people have on their project list. So most people have a list of stuff to do, don't they? They have a whole list of things to do. And I've seen these lists. I actually ask people to get them out. Or if they're in their head, I ask them to write them down. The worst place you can keep a list is in your head. Don't do that anymore. It has some mental health side effects. Sean looks like he's going to agree with that one. Yeah, that's. I, I believe that's dangerous, but I want you to keep going on that point. Absolutely, it has to be out of the head. So you get it out of your head, you write it down. And when I look at people's lists, it's not a to-do list. It's not actions. There is a mix of reminders, thoughts, projects, actions, ideas that we've not even yet committed to. Oh, I've had an idea. We could do this. And there's such a mix of stuff on there. Then when they look at that list, they have this sinking feeling of, I'm never going to get that done. And it's because they haven't taken the time to work out what's the specific action. And is it okay if I give you an example, Sean? Yeah, I'd love it. So example is, I've seen this before, people put like birthday party, or they'll put husband birthday party, or they'll put husband birthday. Let's just imagine like husband birthday or wife birthday. We'll do husband birthday. Is husband birthday a next action? No kind of just a statement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, oh yeah, I've got to organize that and then don't do anything. And it's because you haven't taken the time to work out what specifically is husband birthday. Is it by card? Is it do internet research of what to get him as a gift if you do that kind of thing? Is it organize dinner with friends? What actually is the next action? And I'll tell you what, it's a tiny amount of thinking that you need to do to get from what the thing is to what the next action is. But that tiny amount of thinking when you're tired is a big enough barrier to stop you doing anything. And when you've got energy, that's when you need to break it down and work out what the next action is. And if it is invite friends for a dinner, well, you can look at the list and go, okay, invite friends for dinner, Dave, Jeff, Frank and Freddie or whatever it is. And you can send the messages and get on with it. But you haven't taken that time to break it down. You can never make it happen. Yeah. First off on that, don't invite Dave and Jeff. They always drink a little too much and ruin the party. (laughs) I agree. That's To me, it's more specific. Now, let me ask you this. So let's use the happy birthday again or birthday party for, for husband. I've also seen people get in the weeds of that list becomes 40 checkpoints that I have to do for birthday party for husband. All right. And, and even more, people can grow to-do lists all the way down and then they are done because they made a to-do list that exhausted them without getting anything done on their to-do list. And that's exactly the mistake I made when I first learned this was I went and I put all of the next actions to get to the end. But actually what we're talking about is just the next action, just the next action. So it is, okay, my goal is party. Next action, put Facebook event up. That's it. 
That's the one next action. And until you've done that, you don't even think about what's next. Once that's done, you then think about what's the next action. Do that and then think about the next action. Because I tell you what, it'll change as you go anyway. And anyone who's in planning will tell you a plan will change as you go through it. And that's okay. And for most of us running small businesses, we don't need Gantt charts and big lists and all that stuff. We just need to consistently make ourselves take the next action every day. And that compounding effect of those next actions over time will work towards where you want to be. But I think the mistake you're actually talking about is listing out everything you have to do. And if you do that, you kill your own motivation. You look at that list and you go... I'm never going to do that. And I've done that, Sean. I've lived that life. (laughs) I think all of us probably have to some degree. I think it's just having that awareness of this isn't working. My to-do list never gets done, but my to-do list gets longer. Yes. It's self-defeating. I really like that idea of it's just the next thing. How do you pick that next thing, Alan? How do we be cognizant of... Am I just putting a task in front of me so I can just say something is done? You know, obviously plans change, which I I loved you saying there is like we're conditioned in school and growing up that it's first grade to second grade, second grade to third grade, third grade to fourth grade. But in real life and in business, things don't ever go to plan. And that that's kind of the point is it works in a different way. It is is not a one to two to three to four. And then we get upset about that. It's not linear. It's never linear. Never linear. And until you can learn to celebrate that, you're going to be disappointed over and over again. It's kind of like we were talking about on uh, the podcast of failure and how, how to respond. Like you are going to fail. Things are going to come up that you didn't know. And if you expect yourself to know and see everything into the future, you're going to be sorely disappointed every time. So it's that idea of, well, yeah, I had a list. And I had this thing, but how do I pick the next action that is, you know, truly going to move me forward to the birthday party or whatever it may be? So I think you're absolutely right on if you lay out all the steps and it goes wrong, people get derailed by that and go, it was, it didn't go to plan. And then they stop. If you've just set out the one next step, you don't have the same expectations going forwards. And that can allow you to be more flexible as you do it. How do you choose the next step? Well, let's just, for argument's sake, take this podcast. I'm creating a podcast. I want to get it done. And actually, I decided I just need to record an episode. I just need to record an episode. If I get one in the bag, that's what I need to do. Okay. What do I need to do to record an episode? Mm, I've got a microphone. What software am I using? Okay. So I have a hole in knowledge. Who can I ask? Jonathan. Jonathan at Choose FI, he's built a cool podcast. So I message Jonathan and say, right, I just need to get the first episode done. How do I do it? And he sends me a link to a service and says, use this. And I go, cool. And then the key bit is I put a date in the diary. And I said, right, first episode will be this day. I organized Sean, Simon, we all got together and we made it happen. It is What's the one outcome I want? What's the one thing that I want? And then wind back to what's the one small action I can take to get it done. And then absolutely key to any of this is putting dates in the diary. 
this beyond anything else <laughs> drives action. And Sean knows this. If you've had a good time with a friend and you want to see them again, what do you do before you leave the scene of your meal thing? What do you do? Yeah, I think the saying kind of is don't ever leave the scene of a great idea without taking action. Yes. So it's booking that next meeting to hang out with that friend. And I think we've all done it before. So, oh, yeah, we should really get together again. And then people leave it at that. And then it goes off into the ether. And even though each person truly wanted to do that, just because a simple date or time was not decided on, it does not happen. It, it really is as simple as say, hey, let's Tuesday. And you can always do that with when you're working with other people. Sometimes, oh, well, I'll get back to you. The way I go about that, if you do have another party in it, is let's put it tentatively there and I'll follow up with you. You know, that's just a little side up. Get something down on it. I think this is really important, Sean, because yeah. I probably shouldn't admit this to everyone, but that's exactly what I do, is if, if I need some space, if I don't actually want to do it straight away, I just say, yeah, we should definitely meet up. Yeah, I've done it to you. And yeah, <laughs> you do it to people all the time. It's normal. Yeah. If I want to do it, I'm like, okay, when are we doing it? And I will set the date there and then. And so if any of the listeners catch me going, uh, yeah, we should absolutely do it. Unfortunately, that means maybe sometime, probably not. Yeah. Uh, if you actually want to do it, like if people want me to do something, they have to say, when are we going to do it? And it's actually a rare person who actually tries to tie me down. It's a rare person, Sean. Yeah, I've done it to you. <laughs> yes, and I love that. I love that. And that's actually um, one of the things I wanted to say was you came to the pop-up business school in Longmont and then you followed us to England. Did you at that point have it in your mind that you wanted to run these courses? Or were you just, what, what was going on in your head when... You travelled all the way to England from Colorado to come and see a course in Berkshire. So I'm going to burst the bubble a little bit here. I actually already had the trip to England planned because my sister lives in Cambridge, which is about an hour north of England. The way I looked at it was, it was interesting. So Alan was putting on a pop-up business school about 45 minutes south of where I live in Colorado. And I have a friend there that was hosting it. And I was talking to him. And he was telling me, yeah, hey, we're doing this. I think you would like it. Check it out. And I was like, oh, it's 45 minutes away, you know, and it's a two-week course and it's free. And so I was like, mm, <laughs> something's not adding up here. I'm going to get for the old people. It's the book and sales pitch or the tape and book, buy my tape and book, buy my course. But he was like, hey, man, these folks see things a lot of the same ways you do. And I was like, okay. And I had the time. So I went down and... After the first session, the first day, I was like, wow, these people are on point. This is a lot of things I've been doing for the last 20 years of my life. And it's very simple and put in a way that's, you know, only the essential information that's necessary and how to move forward immediately. So after the course, and it was such a great value. And I got to know Alan and his wife and we had lunch a couple of times and some really good conversations. And I was like, this is such good stuff that is being put out to people for free, where if you stuck it in the weekend executive course, it would be $20,000 package and you got to sign up for coaching after it and all that stuff. So I was so appreciative of the great information and the great job and the energy that I was like, 
I want to help and give back. So you were having the course in Reading, which was probably about an hour or so from where I was staying with my sister in Cambridge. And you guys invited me to come down and stay with you. And I was like, hell, I, I don't care. I'll check people in, whatever. It's a fun environment. It's something I'm going to learn from. Uh, and I think there was, it was some sort of situation where, I don't know if you let me do a piece or I asked to do a piece. I can't remember exactly what it was on marketing or something along those lines. And I was like, well, I'm going to do this, but I want to see some results immediately from those that I'm speaking to. I'm going to ask them to actually do something within their idea. And I don't think I told you that. <laughs> I told you that. And I think I probably made you a little nervous when I was doing it, but it was, Hey guys, tell me about something in your business. And then it was, okay, so well, what are we going to do about that? And they're like, well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to call this person or we're going to email this person and we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to get on that next week. And I was like, well, when's the best time to do that? And everybody, oh, we'll do it tonight. And I think it was something along. It's like, what if we did it now? And I was quiet. There's a deer okay. in the headlight moments where everyone in the audience goes, is he serious? Yeah. And I got to give you some context here. This is a British audience. Yeah. <laughs> so there are subtle cultural differences. Yes. It wasn't just deer in a headlight. It's what is this guy do? What is he going to do to me? It was like I was threatening by having the audacity to ask them to follow what they wanted to do. You know, I was, it was almost like, I can't believe this. How dare you, sir? But people did it. And I kind of, talk them through it a little bit. I was like, do you feel that little knot in your stomach right now? Yeah. I said, we can either look at that as a horrible thing or as an exciting thing. And what I want you to do is do something small, but do it outside of yourself. And I think this is really important to match to the example you gave when you decided, Hey, I want to, I want to start a podcast. So what'd you do? Did you go and research the best mic and you know, what had the most clarity and, and price everything out? No, you went to a resource who knew what to do, Jonathan, because he had been doing podcasts. And you asked him, what do I do? And then you followed what he told you to do. Exactly. So, yes, exactly. So I think it's easy to write things down on a to-do list, but once you reach outside of yourself and it's not, hey, I want to take you to lunch, you had a very specific question. It wasn't, hey, I want to pick your brain I think that's more self-serving of, well, I'm doing something to tell myself I could do something. Well, I had lunch with them and I listened to them. Okay, well, that's down the rest. Well, that doesn't really move the ball forward unless you take the information you got and take some sort of action on it. So what I do in the, in the courses is challenge people to take a very, just get started, not just do it. It's like, what is that small step outside of yourself that puts you on the path directly to a sale? Because within the context of pop-up business school, we want to get that first sale. And I, I think it's important, whether it's a sale or it's a meeting or it's a group that you want to meet with, get together with, it's like you have to take something that is outside of yourself that puts you directly on the path to whatever that endpoint is. Not to the side, not I need to learn more, but something directly that puts you on it, you know, towards that endpoint that you want. And I think when you put it outside of yourself, you get a little more accountability and you get a little more strength from that too. When you're talking to somebody who knows their stuff, you know, and it's been doing something successfully, but you have to take the information that they gave you and use it, not write it down and forget about it. Take that action right then. And I think that was important if you're saying, okay, well, what do I do? I call Jonathan. So you immediately 
call Jonathan. So that's the difference. Just get started, but be specific about it. The next step needs to be an action step, not just a step. Action meaning pushing you forward to what it is that you wanted, and that was to start a podcast. Jonathan said, hey, use the software. You use the software. Here we are on a podcast. And I think it's that next step, and then where we get to, there is magic if you put yourself out there and do things. That magic, if you put yourself out there and do things and do it every single day, is compounded. And I think here, we've spoken a lot about just getting going, and there are a million tools to just get going. There's the 15-minute thing, there's the break it down, there's the get pumped up, there's the commit to someone else. There's a million tools to just get you going. Then we've got to consistently keep going. And this is where I think some of the the next level stuff happens. The only reason I achieved financial independence is that I was able to consistently work on it over the course of five or six years. The only reason I built Pop-Up Business School to where it is, is because I was able to consistently work on it for eight years. And it's the compounding effect of consistent actions over time that creates the magic. So I guess the question becomes, Sean, what tools or techniques do you have for the audience to help themselves consistently do things? I'm going to go back to environment again. And environment can encapsulate a lot of stuff. It can be like you were talking about with your example in the beginning of our episode here, just the physical environment, you know, sitting outside, sun, breeze in the air. I think when you're trying to start your own business, especially if you've never done it before, you got to surround yourself with people who are excited about that same thing and will be willing to give you feedback that is productive. I'll give an example of the other side of that. And this is something I had to learn, especially as a young businessman. I would have an idea. I'll give it with my, my first business, which was a film company. I was 22 years old, I believe, when I started. It was called Black Egg Productions. And I was so excited about this. This was my first endeavor. And man, I was, you know, I was going to make movies. I'm going to write, direct, and produce, and create art. And the world was wide open to me. And so the environment that I had at the time, I didn't know any other filmmakers. I didn't know any, you know, people had done that before. It was a completely new world to me. I didn't have family in it. I didn't have any friends with connections. So I had no point of reference other than I really want to do this. This is exciting to me. So when I told the idea to friends of mine that, that had never been in that business or never started a business, most of us hadn't, we were all very young and then my family and so forth, I got the response of, Ooh, you don't know how to do that. Or that's really risky. And I was like, well, you know, I wanted to be cheerleaded and everything around me, it was not their fault. They didn't have the ability to do it because they had no reference point. They were not business people. They were not entrepreneurs. They were not filmmakers, anything like that. And, and all I was looking for was like, Hey, yeah, dude, that's great. Tell me about it. But these people were not able to help me move forward. I think the, the mistake and, and Simon in our conversation yesterday or whenever that would be it's gonna be out of order for you guys go but business is a team sport doing things is a team sport if you try to keep running through the wall over and over again by yourself day in day out the wall will win eventually willpower is finite you have to have something a little more so what i found god it took me a long time i would say 
almost 12 years until I really was aware of it was if I'm in surrounded by a bunch of people who are doing the same things and excited and bouncing ideas off each other, like, Hey, you could do this or you could do this. And you, you know, you could try this or think about it this way, not, well, that's risky and, oh, that will never work. Or, you know, no, the odds are bad or things like that. That was the hardest part was because I was trying to keep pushing this rock up a hill instead of getting people to, hey, could you hold this rock for a second while I rest and give me some ideas? And when you surround yourself in an environment, the environment moves you forward with the help of that. It's not all you. So for example, by you reaching out to Jonathan with the podcast, that gave you an instant shot of energy from somebody who had done something that was proven and was excited about what you were doing as well. That was a unbelievably great leap forward right into action as opposed to I'm going to read a book on podcasting. And it's a simple action. Just make a phone call. Do Just do one thing. I actually, yeah. I actually used Facebook Messenger and just messaged him and said hello. Um, and then we got straight on the phone. But it's a simple next action. So if I can just highlight two pieces from what you've said. I think the mm-hmm. first is you become the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And I don't care who that is. If you surround yourself with entrepreneurs, people who are making stuff happen, it will affect you and it will rub off on you. If you surround yourself with employees, that will affect you and that will rub off on you. And neither is good or bad, but you have to realize that the five people around you will either drag you up or drag you down or will infect you with their culture, their beliefs and the way of thoughts and the ways of things happening. And the second element just to highlight what you've said, most people, I would say 80% in people, uh, people in life will tell you why something won't work. There's Higher. actually only maybe 90%, yeah, maybe 95, will tell you why something won't work. There's only a few people who will say, oh, like, how could we make that happen? Only a very few people. And actually, Simon is one of those people for me. We've had chats like that. My wife is like that. There's only a very few people that I can give them my idea and have trust and faith that they won't try and kill it immediately. And that's a really interesting one. Now, how do you differentiate that as far as, so with my example, it it just took me such a long time to figure out who I needed to be talking to the right people or, or, you know, trading ideas with the right people. And what I came up with, and I'd love to see how you did this is, The mistake I was making in my head was I was talking to people that I loved and respected. I felt that I loved and respected them. Well, that anything they were going to say back to me was going to be good because we love and expected each other, right? The piece that I was missing is that they had no experience, no ideas or comparable things in their life to live to, to be able to support me. And generally speaking, when people don't know about something or they've never did before, well, the reaction is, scary. Don't do it. It's not going to work because they have no point of reference. So what I had to learn was like, well, I need to start asking questions and and looking for support and bouncing ideas off people that actually have done what I wanted to do, or at least are excited what I wanted to do. That was a game changer. We are social beings. Even if I could sit in a room and constantly motivate myself over and over again, every day and get something done that I hated, what's the point? Because then I'm spending every day in a state of, oh, I got to do this and this is horrible and so forth. When you start putting your ideas out to a group of people 
They're excited about you moving forward and have some understanding of where you want to go. That linear stuff gets pushed away. When you start putting ideas out there, everything is going to come from an area that you never thought. And I, I don't know how to explain it better than that. Of, but you put yourself in situations. The reason why Alan and I are talking right now is because I put myself in a situation with like-minded people. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew the people there were going to be thinking the way I did. It changed my life. You know, for the last better part of two years, I've been running around the beautiful island of the United Kingdom, visiting towns all over the place with people telling me that I have a funny accent. <laughs> and you've uh, trained but, hundreds and hundreds of people how to start businesses, how to get going without money, and you've changed people's lives. And neither of us were expecting that. You just took the no. next step to turn up. Yeah, and it just happened because I was excited to be around you and your wife, Katie. We're going to give Katie a little plug here, guys. Katie's the magician behind the scenes. For those of you who know the Wizard of Oz, she's the Wizard of Oz. Alan is a very intelligent man, but he's more or less her puppet. And as you saw with his story he told, of it's Alan, do it for 15 minutes. Just get on the horse. So congratulations, <laughs> Katie. Katie is a big reason why Pop-Up is here today as well and um, why Alan's able to do these podcasts. Uh, I don't think she gets enough credit. Would you agree? We are a team. And without yes. her love and support, I would not be where I am today. We are a team. And that, that was part of me wanting to work with you guys too, was Katie was great. I spent a lot of time with you two in that situation without being in that type of environment with the excitement that was created. I, I never would have had that opportunity. I could not have planned that out. I could have been like, well, I'm going to go to this business course that I have no idea about or no, nobody's going to be there. That's step one. Step two is I just happen to be going to see my family, you know, in England. Well, I'm going to drop in on the course and become a speaker. No, I was just going to hang out. I didn't really start thinking about it until after that because I was like, well, I had an effect there. I really like the crew that I'm working with. Alan and Katie kind of live very similar to me. This is the kind of group and environment that I'm excited to be around. Now, it's kind of a long, <laughs> long-winded thing here, but I kind of wanted to yeah, so I think it was putting myself in that environment. And the other things, the next step showed up because I just put myself in that environment. It's the antithesis of linear. And by surrounding myself, you know, in a company that was excited about helping people and getting them started. And, you know, I saw a reflection of people in the audience that where I was when I was younger. And I was like, God, I wish I could have talked to the version of me today you know, 20 years before, or even more than 20 years before. And that kind of became clear to me of like, well, I have a lot to impart here and it's going to be fun. So yeah, like the environment part is so important. And I, I guess I would ask you that, Alan, you know, how you create the right environment to get things going on a day-to-day -day basis. Not it's the six-year plan or the Phase one is two years of starting my business. What does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't have a two-year plan, Sean. I don't have a five-year plan. I have some ideas about some bigger things I want to achieve, but basically it is, I want to make a podcast. Let's do season one and see how it goes. I'm not yeah, thinking of a like dynasty. I'm day just to day. starting. So I think day-to-day, -day, let's break this down and become really practical. Yeah. The number one thing you need is energy. Everyone says to me, I don't have enough time to do things. And then I ask them, 
how much hours <laughs> of television do you watch a night? And they go, well, I watch Two to Handle or I watch Tiger King or some kind of thing on Netflix. And I say, you're spending two hours a night on the couch and you don't have time. My actual belief is, is nothing to do with time. It's people don't have energy. And it's energy that will drive this forward. If you're getting home at the end of work and you're trying to run a side hustle and look after the kids and you're exhausted, something's got to give. If you have huge energy and bounce and drive, it's unbelievable how far you can get. And that's one thing. You are Simon, you are Sean, Casey, all the people on the podcast. One thing I'm known for is the amount of energy I bring to things. And it's that energy that gets me going. So how do you do it? This is going to sound daft, and you probably all know this, but the question is, are you doing it? Number one, are you getting enough sleep every night? Number two, are you drinking enough water? Are you hydrated? Are you looking after yourself? Number three, how are you fueling your body? Are you shoveling in burgers? Well, that's going to slow you down. Are you putting in salads? Well, that's going to speed you up, how much energy you have. You all know that feeling after a big meal where you just want to lie on the couch and fall asleep. That sucks your energy. All energy is diverted to digestion. So you need to get those basic bits right so that you have energy every day. Then if you multiply that with a purpose, I've got a big why. I want to help people start businesses. I want to change the way entrepreneurship's taught. I want to get out there and help people start without debt and smash this stuff. I've got energy. I've got a why. I've got drive. I've broken it down to the next action. You can't stop me, Sean. I agree. I've, I've seen this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to make uh, but, this happen. But, it, but also, it also comes back to you. Like, there's a reason why opportunities show up. There's a reason why you're doing this podcast. And I think that's the intangible thing I'm talking about. Like energy begets energy. When you're in the right environment and you're doing things that you want to do and you're excited about what comes next, well, guess what? That raises the energy of those around you and they want to help you. But putting yourself in that right environment where people see that wave starting to build. You know, I remember when we were just talking about this podcast to begin with, and it actually you know, started in a different way. And there was, if we look back, you know, talking about magical TV project that's coming as well. I mean, this was probably what a year and a half ago and it took so many different turns and it was not step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. It was, you just kept putting yourself in a situation to where new information could be uncovered and then used appropriately. And I think that it's like, well, if you, the one, two, three, four, if it's like, well, step three was supposed to happen by Thursday at five o'clock. If not, I failed. You know, like you're saying, like when you get hit by that roadblock, the thing that you've cultivated on a day-to-day thing, sleeping, eating, you know, appropriately, bounding out of bed, excited with a purpose, with a why, that has to be there most of the days, right? So you're talking about that building block, what I love. In first world, as we are right now, we just push that to a side and we try to skip it. It's like, oh, that's not the exciting stuff. I got to concentrate on the exciting stuff. Yeah, I need a Facebook marketing strategy. I need a new money-making system. I need something exciting. Yeah, that's what people try and skip to. The sexy things. But by you keeping yourself in that area of, hey, I got a lot of energy because I slept, because I you know, moved my body and so forth, you're ready at any point for when the new information comes in to act on it, where... If you're exhausted, even if the opportunity is amazing and it's clear to you right there, you're much more likely to, 
I'll do it later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And then the years pass and it's always later. And unfortunately, we don't have an extended later contract with who is ever running the show. Um, <laughs> we do not have an extended later contract. And actually, that's one of the things I believe in life, which creates this motivation and the drive is I don't know how long I've got left, but I know I want to live and I know I want to enjoy and do stuff and create. And if I want the life that I desperately want to live, then I have to do the stuff that creates it and live it and breathe it every single day. There is no promised tomorrow. There is no future necessarily. Like I hope there is. I've been working on financial independence for like six years. If I achieve it and then <laughs> there's no tomorrow, I'd be quite disappointed. But you have to live life like this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen because you just don't know what's coming next. We didn't know we were going to be locked down, Sean. I didn't mm -hmm. know we couldn't run events around the world. I didn't know any of that. This episode is recorded in April 2020, and we're on lockdown currently. I didn't know this was going to happen, and I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, but that was, that wasn't it. part of the plan, right? It's not the plan part of the plan. Different. The plan right, was yeah. completely different, but now, well, this is great. I'm locked down. I'm going to record three episodes of this podcast every single day, and I'm going to make this thing happen, and I've loved it. And you're going to get thrown off consistently, and then it's getting back up the next day and making it happen. And it's that consistent compounding effort over time. Let me ask you this, Alan. So a lot of people, when they hear folks say, well, you got to do it every day. You know, you got to get that. You got to have that energy. You got to get that chasing it every day. I think a lot of people take that as well. That's exhausting. Like, I, I can't do that every day. That's impossible. And what I like to do is kind of drop the myth around that. And when you say doing things every day, does that mean that you're on that phone seven days a week calling and selling and, and doing stuff like that? Or is it more towards the line of, hey, this is the idea of how I want to live. I'm going to be putting out that energy and that attitude every day. Does it mean you're sitting at a desk for 12, 14 hours a day working or whatever that is or toiling or slaving? I think it's more what you're speaking about to me, at least. And I like your answer. It is. It's a mindset and a lifestyle. It's not a I clock in 95 hours a week. I, if that's successful, you can go ahead and call me a loser. Definitely. And I want to be unsuccessful. So can you give some context to what that means every day and how that energy kind of naturally shows up when you're doing something that's cool and you're doing something that you're excited about and you have that why? I woke up this morning and I had a few things going on in my personal life. I wasn't in a great state. I sat outside with a coffee and journaled got it all out of my head and then just wasn't really feeling it. Uh, so I gave myself permission to do a creative project. I have a games day with my friends. So I did a bit of that. I messaged a few friends, left a video and I had a lovely two or three hours talking to friends and relaxing. And I gave myself permission to have fun. Uh, the permission. Yes. I think that's a good key right there. Like that just kind of hit me when I was in my first business, I let it own me. And I did not give myself permission to have fun because, well, when you're starting a business, you have to be working all the time. And even when I wasn't working, and I wasn't, I was like sitting there like, well, I need to do and not doing anything. And then I was shaming myself for not working. Like, I think what I'm hearing from that is an important part of you being driven and in the way is allowing yourself to enjoy moments outside of it. 
right? It's not, I got to work 16 hours a day. I think part of being able to keep your energy up and be excited about your professional projects is, well, what are these other things that I'm allowed to do? Can I talk to friends? Can I just go sit out and have a coffee on the thing? You know, I think that's a part of it, like breaks and recharging. It's like, well, I got to do, do, do. Like when I hear gurus and things like that, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I, you know, I work nonstop. If that's success and I got to work from 4.30 in the morning until, you know, 9 p.m., like I'm out. That type of success is not for me. So how do you define like that successful day? of moving forward and doing things. And is it okay to have a a day where you're not doing? Energy ebbs and flows. It goes up, it goes down, it changes. Energy ebbs and flows. And some days I am pumped and I will be up at six and I will work and I'll do... Yesterday, I did three podcast recordings and a live stream with Choose FI. I was on air for about, I don't know, what's that? Two, four, six, seven and a half hours. I was recording and I was doing calls in between and I was doing stuff. I was pumped. I was so high. I had a wonderful time. It was a beautiful day. And then what's the cost of that? Well, this morning I was tired and I needed a morning off and I gave myself permission and it's okay. And then the magic of this is three o'clock comes uh, British time and I know I've got a call with Sean and I'm like, okay, it's scheduled. I'll go. And my energy just turns on because I've got the connection with you. I've got the buzz. I've got the right people to do it with. This is fun. I've got a message to share and it goes and it helps to have it scheduled. Then I've got another episode to do uh, at 8.30 p.m. tonight. I'm speaking to Millennial Revolution about passion, financial independence, and entrepreneurship after FI. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation. But I'm allowed to have a morning off. I'm allowed to have fun. And actually, if I don't have fun, why am I doing it? Like, there, there are so many ways to make money. There are so many ways to build a business. Why would you ever create a business where you can't have fun, can't enjoy getting doing it? There's been very few days over the last, I think it's, eight years since we started this, nine years, there's been very few days where I haven't wanted to get up and make this happen. It's awesome. Let me ask you this. So if you could really simplify, how do you differentiate? So like you just, I think very eloquently spelled out to me why you needed to break and why it was, you know, it was, I have to do this. Not, well, I'm lazy. It was like, you did the math. You're like, well, I was on seven and a half hours of calls, putting out a lot of energy. So it makes sense. I'm not a machine. I'm not a robot. So how do you differentiate from between when it is the right thing to do to take a break and power down versus to, I don't want to do it because I'm scared. Which then the question is, what did you do yesterday? And if you sat on the couch and watched Netflix yesterday and you're doing the same today and the same tomorrow and you're avoiding doing it by going, I just need to get my mindset right. I just need to relax. Well, that's a different thing. If you've worked hard and you need a break, breaks are important. Sleep is important. Take a nap. Sean, you are one of the best nappers I know. I've seen you mid-meeting go, I'm tired, and go and have a lie down in the meeting room and have a nap, and you restore your energy, and then you come back. I think that's great. But you're right. This is a being honest with yourself. And in the early days, I wasn't necessarily honest with myself because I go, I can't do this, I can't do this, and I'd watch a movie. And then I'd watch another movie and I'd have a day off. 
And then the next day I'd be like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'd watch something else and I would avoid and weeks would go by without progress. And that is very different to today. And here's the bit, I think. One can develop their identity. So you can develop your identity from who you are today to the version of you that knows I'm strong, I make things happen, I'm confident, I can do this. And actually, if you can shift your identity to a person that does stuff consistently, delivers your promises, turns up on meetings on time and always gets going, that identity takes over, then it doesn't really feel like work. It's just who you are. And I think, how do you develop identity is the question. That's good. I think that speaks to that because if you go with the the mindset of I should be doing this, I need to be working because that's what you do and so forth. That's not identity. That's chasing something else or looking outside and saying, well, that's how this person does that. Then you're just kind of copycatting, you know, without saying, well, what is my identity? How do I build that? I like the idea of, and I think you can even break it down maybe to a day and say, if it's in the afternoon, let's say, what time is it where you are? It is 4.15 p.m. in Great Britain. 4.15 p.m. Okay, so I'm seven hours behind Alan right now. And let's say Alan said he's tired and he didn't want to do things, you know, at 4.15 p.m. Well, Alan could look back and say, well, what did I do this morning? Did I actually do a podcast or later? Did I do sale calls? Did I do something? And if the answer is yes, well then, hey, that makes sense. It might be time to power down a little bit. But if we look back at the morning and Alan was watching, I don't know, like uh, the, the Tiger King, this might date our episode, but that's the big thing right now is Tiger King on Netflix. Well, then there's your information. You, you weren't doing anything within the context of pushing your business forward or doing stuff like that. So that might be more of an excuse or a fear. I think that might be a way to do it. And if you looked at yesterday, well, I did seven and a half hours of podcasting. That makes sense. I do need a little break from this. Is that kind of what you're speaking to? I think it's a tangible way of looking, is this I'm hiding or there's fear here, or is it actually that I need a break? Yeah, I think that's a tangible way of seeing if you need a break. The identity bit for me is I am a person with huge energy. I am a person who gets things done. How do I know that? Because every day for years, I have got things done and I've made things happen. And it's not every day I have days off. I do things like if I've got energy Sunday morning, I don't care what day it is. I'll make it happen Sunday morning. If I'm tired on a Monday, I'll have the morning off. It's about that energy. And if you're working for yourself, you can give yourselves those breaks to recharge if you're honest with yourself about what you're doing. And then it's building up the identity by making it who you are every day. Simon, my business partner, likes to say the Alan here today is not the Alan that he met 10, 12 years ago when we first started. That Alan was very different. And I've slowly chiseled away and developed the Alan we've got today who does stuff. And I've worked on my beliefs. And you will hear my beliefs throughout this episode. The beliefs of the way to get things done, the ideas and the ways to think, the thought processes that are ingrained in what I do. And that becomes a daily habit, which then becomes an identity which then becomes something that that's just the way it is. And the opposite is true as well. If you hide behind Netflix on a consistent basis, your identity gets chiseled away in a different way. 
If you avoid doing what you need to do, your identity gets chiseled away in a different way. Then you'll start to believe you can't get things done and you're unlucky. Bad stuff happens to you. Oh, it's just not your fault. You had a good business idea, but it just wouldn't work. And there's these identities that are created through habits and through energy and through drive. I like the part too, like you keep coming back to put it on the schedule. And I think the people that you put on schedule are people that give you energy as well. That's very important. You do have an incredible, and I, and I don't think it's like some people, well, Alan's just naturally energetic. Alan didn't get a uh, super soldier, Captain America injection into himself. Alan built his energy. I want <laughs> you know, one it was, Yeah, I know it was. <laughs> I, I use that because I know you love your Marvel movies, but that was created. I think people are like, well, that's just how he is. No, it's not how he is. He puts himself in the position to both give and get energy. So when you schedule these calls, and I, I know once I get off, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have all kinds of ideas. We almost always talk after podcasts because we're up, we're enthused. Like it's an exchange of energy as well. Like if Alan's the only one bringing the energy to every situation, Alan is going to run out of energy. But if you schedule people in your life, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be, well, here, I want to bounce some ideas off somebody who really knows a lot about this. They can give me feedback to make my next action steps. You're going to be getting recharged by the people that you're associating with. Now, the flip side of that is if you're fighting that battle of having to defend against everybody who's around you that is not giving you energy back, that's going to be tough too. So this was something that I had to learn a few years back when I decided to move to Colorado, I was in a social situation and a professional situation where I was surrounded by some really good people and really longtime friends. I grew up in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and I was there for, I don't know, half of my life as a younger person. And then half of my older life for about 10 years from my I'd say 30 to 40 years old. And what I found was I was surrounded by a lot of really old friends and a lot of really good people that I appreciated and respected, but we weren't on the same path. And I wasn't really excited about what they were doing. And they weren't really excited about what I was going towards. And although they weren't tearing me down or anything like that, I felt like I was using a lot of energy to say, hey, this is not what I want to do. I love all of you, but I was not in a room or in a it was kind of like going to a party with, you know, a lot of people there, but feeling like you're by yourself. And so what I was like, is like, I need to put myself in a new environment where I can both give energy and get energy back where I felt like I was using a lot of energy saying, Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. But not really getting anything and probably not giving too much either. But when I started putting myself in an orbit of people that I met, like the degrees of separation where I met you. And then those opportunities and that energy that you're talking about starts flowing right into you. And it's almost like you're a battery. You can get recharged by the people you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. So when I'm hearing you, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I set up situations that energize me. And then I also associate myself with people that are energetic about those situations. That makes perfect sense to me because that keeps recharging you, keeps you going. It's not you running through a wall every damn day. It's you putting yourself in situations for excitement and energy and moving forward and ideas. It starts with you. The yeah. energy has to start with you. You are the one who's going to drive that. 
you've got to put out the energy first. One of the maxims I live by, you said this energy begets energy. I say the more you give, the more you get. And Mm -hmm. if I'm tired late at night, what do I want to do? Sit on the couch. What will make me feel better? Go for a walk. And if I put energy out, it's incredible what comes back. There is a caveat to that, which you just highlighted, which if you put energy out to the wrong people, they will soak all that energy up and you will be stripped of it. If you put energy out to the right people, it will be blasted back at you in equal measure that will lift you both up. But it always starts with you and you've got to give the energy first. That's where the energy comes from. So, Sean, we're coming to the end of the episode. We've actually gone long on the episode. It's gone so quickly. We've had a lot of energy on this subject, and I I feel like we barely touched it. There's so much Mm. more we could give. But if you had something you wanted to say to the audience, what would it be at the end here? I'm going to harp on environment and then I would say Alan is correct. The energy does have to start with you, but put that energy into the right environment So it can come back to you and then you can give it again and come back to you and it'll give it again, keeping you going on that day-to-day things. It does start with you, but make sure you're putting your energy in the right places, specifically with the right people. When you get around the people who want to support you and move forward and you want to support them and move forward, these things will show up in your life. It is not linear. I think and energy is not linear. Put your energy in the right place. And you might have to learn that. It's like, well, if you're putting your energy into a group or into a situation and you don't feel like anything's coming back from that, well, it's your responsibility to reassess and put that energy in a new place. Drink a lot of coffee, too. (laughs) Yes. If you can't get your mind in the right place, take coffee. My closing thought for you which will come next. Thank you for listening to the episode with Sean McHugh and me. We really appreciate it. Sean and I, what we really want you to do is to actually take what's on this podcast and do something about it. What we dream of is that you'll get the first sale, you'll build a business, you'll make things happen. I don't care if you use this to get a job. I don't care if you use this to find a partner. I don't care what it is, but I want things to happen for you that are positive. And that is our biggest wish for you to do that. This is episode 18, how to make stuff happen. I'm very excited about episode 19, which is coming next, which is Mike Essex, who wrote the book, How to Get Free Stuff Every Day. He was actually one of the inspirations for the course and his stories of how he got free computer games as a 16 to 18 year old. It's actually a really good episode. He's just left employment and started up his own business, and he's got some great examples and stories to help you get going. So that's the next episode, episode 19. Enjoy that. Let us know what you think. If you want to sign up to the mailing list to make sure you get the latest content, then please go to choosefi.com forward slash rebel. And here's my closing thought. You can make anything happen if you're willing to pay the price up front and in full. You can make anything happen if you're willing to pay the price up front and in full. There is a cost to making things happen. The cost of becoming an athlete is the training. The cost of becoming an author is the writing, the marketing and more. The cost of building a business is sales, energy and effort. The cost is not often money. The cost is time multiplied by energy. And what you need to do is decide if you are willing to pay the price for the outcome you want to achieve. 
If you want to have a six pack, there is a price and it's your diet and your exercise. If you want to be a stand up comedian, there is a price. You have to learn how to tell jokes. You have to be willing to have people boo you. There is a price. Are you willing to pay the price to build a business? If the answer is yes, get your energy up, break things down, take the next action and make it happen. You've been listening to Rebel Entrepreneur with Alan Donegan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get new fresh episodes as soon as they've launched. To stay up to date with the rebellion, visit choosefi.com slash rebel. Thanks for joining the rebellion.